We are working on training with the twelve. And if you're visiting with us, uh, we're talking about the twelve apostles training with Jesus. And we're kind of imagining ourselves as the thirteenth apostle and seeing what he taught them since he gave them such a important assignment to start the church. Uh, and we have the important assignment of continuing the church and uh, caring for it and all of that. So might be some applications in how Jesus taught the twelve during their couple of years with him. Uh, we've been on a topic of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. I called the topic poisoned bread uh, because of the humorous incident where the apostles got confused and thought Jesus was talking about bread instead of the effect of the Pharisees and Sadducees' teachings. So we've looked through what they taught, uh, what event caused Jesus' comment, and then how the apostles got confused. And lastly, we started talking about uh, the leaven today. And our main point was that Jesus talked about one leaven, anything of the world that detracts, distracts from kingdom thinking. And he warned his apostles that there's two camps. There's the kingdom and there's the world. And anybody that's of the world that teaches things that distract from the kingdom, that's leaven affecting the kingdom. Uh, the Pharisees went to one end of the spectrum. They were very rule conscious, very uh, tried to constrain everything with rules. And the Sadducees kind of went to the other direction where they were very open to new things and wanted to try new things and uh, in the influence of the Greeks and the pagans and all of that. And we talked all about that last week. But both of those uh, distract from the kingdom because they change the simplicity of the kingdom. So that's kind of where we've been. And I really debated whether to do tonight's sermon or not to add it uh, to talk about today's leaven, because this is not something we usually do a whole lot of at Northside. In fact, we don't do any of it, basically, uh, to talk about changes or divisions or whatever in the in our fellowship. Uh, we're not the Brotherhood Police, and we don't intend to be. Uh, we try to teach the truth and do business here at Northside the way we think is best, and don't uh, make a specialty of critiquing other people. Uh, but as I thought about the leaven, what's the leaven in 2015? Well, it affects the church. And I decided that the Sunday evening crowd is mature enough to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, some of you older ones especially. Younger ones probably won't get what some of the things I'm talking about. Uh, historically... I think most of the changes, divisions, whatever you want to call it, within the Churches of Christ or within the Restoration Movement have been from binding as matters of fellowship or matters of salvation things that aren't crystal clear matters of faith. Somebody gets this idea that this verse means this, or this passage means this, or this is the way we ought to do this, and they bind it on everybody else. If you don't do this, then I can't fellowship you. 
Uh, if you don't do this, you're probably not going to heaven. Uh, and it's all over the map of different things. Uh, how we support good works is one. How do you do that? The Bible doesn't really say, but some people have a system that if you don't follow this, then we can't fellowship. What, what you do in the building. Uh, when the Bible doesn't mention a building, uh, we've made uh, lots of bindings about you can't do this or you can't do that. Uh, an item of worship and how we do that item of worship uh, has caused a lot of binding and division. And, and I, I go on and name lots of them, but uh, I think that's historically been how we get uh, divided. Now, I don't think the doctrinal thing is really what divides us. I personally think it's the pride of life, and somebody gets this idea and decides, I am going to press this, and if everybody doesn't agree with me, then they're out. Uh, That's my own personal opinion. I think we very rarely divide over matters of real doctrine. Uh, Now, if you travel, go to other churches of Christ these days, if you read Church of Christ publications, uh, you see, I think, two extremes of leaven uh, that distract or disrupt kingdom business. Some people loose a whole lot of things, and some people bind a whole lot of other things, and that takes us away from kingdom business. Uh, there's no doubt things are changing. So... Uh, So this lesson tonight is about how can we watch for some of that? How can we beware of it here at Northside? And let me just say right off the bat, I should have entitled this lesson there on the second page, um, Steve Tandy's opinion of how to beware of today's lesson. This is my idea. I'm not going to give you a scripture for much of this tonight. Uh, I think this is what I see happening from... Uh, what I read and see and hear from other uh, sources. Uh, so it's open for your acceptance or complete rejection if you've got a better idea. Uh, I think the purpose of a lot of the changes that we're seeing today are closer to the Sadducees end of things where they wanted to make everything palatable to more people. They didn't want to remain strictly Jewish. They wanted everybody to be interested. So they bring in a little Greek influence, a little this, a little that, and everybody would be welcome. I think we've got a little bit of that leaven these days. All right, with all that stage setting, uh, I start talking on the second page there about recent changes in our fellowship Uh, And it's happened pretty fast. Those of you that are my age or thereabouts or a little bit younger uh, probably would agree that 20 years ago you wouldn't have believed some of the things that are going on now. Some of the things that are accepting, uh, people are accepting, and naturally that divides uh, congregations and families and fellowships and everything else. Uh, But it's happened really quick. And as I thought through how to make this list of my opinions anyway, here's just some of the things that I think we've done in the last 20, 40 years that have 
caused it, and maybe we ought to watch for it. Let me say this also. This is probably more for teachers, leaders, elders, class teachers, all of that, because you're the ones that kind of can watch this. But everybody else maybe ought to recognize it when they see it uh, and ask the player, let's be aware of that. Okay, first one I put down is I think over the last, well, my preaching career at least, uh, I think we've had less emphasis on Bible study uh, in the sense of figuring out what the passage means. I think the world has talked us into it's more interesting or it's more, it's, it's so judgmental to say this is what the passage means. It's a lot better to say, what does it mean to you? And so a lot of group teaching and classes and stuff have been taught to do that. Let's all read this verse. Now let's go around and tell us what it means to you. Well, I'm sorry, but it doesn't matter what it means to you. You If we want to talk about that a while, okay, just to sort out all the chaff, but a verse means what it means. It means what the Holy Spirit meant it to mean. And I think we used to kind of understand that and and try to study and figure out, what's this verse really mean? I mean, let's look at the context. Let's look at other comments. Let's look at all that. It's not about what it means to me today. What's it mean? Now, once I know what it means, I can apply it to my life. But I think we've done less and less Bible study and more and more uh, discussion and chit-chat about what we think, uh, what we feel. Second thing I put down is I think we have, I know we have become increasingly isolated in our congregations. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, every and I, I realize times change and same methods don't work. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying in the past... In my childhood, every congregation had at least one or two gospel meetings a year. And the best speakers came from all over the country to speak. And members of a congregation went to fellowship with all the other congregations. Okay, So in one year, I would hear preaching at Northside. And then I would hear, because... My daddy was a preacher, so I had to go to every one. I'd hear 20, 24 different excellent preachers. And their different takes on things and all that. I was exposed to a whole lot more. There are a lot of people in this building, my guess would be, that at the end of the year have only heard Steve Tandy. We don't do meetings anymore. Now, some of you may listen to podcasts of somebody else. Uh, Some of you may not listen to Steve Tandy even while you're here. But in general, you don't get broad exposure to anybody else. You hear what one speaker thinks pretty much. Okay, And that's... I think it's increased. I think we're more isolated than we used to be. I don't know why we get so busy with our own things. We've tried area-wide worships to 
coordinate fellowship. We've tried lots of things. It just is hard to do these days. Um, and different areas without this cross-cultural uh, listening, uh, you, you don't you, you get locked in your own little world where you think, well, this is it. This is what this guy says. Now, I don't want to be too critical because a lot of it was very admirable, but a couple of years ago, I went to a seminar, uh, well, not a seminar, it was a conference, of a specific fellowship within our fellowship. Okay? It was not in this area of the country, and it was not anything that I was very familiar with, but they had a big gathering of a lot of people, and I thought, I'm going to go see how they do that. Okay? Not all Church of Christ, folks. So I went, and it was interesting how it was a very well-organized event and all of that. But I found they were so locked into their own way of thinking by their special speakers that that was what they talked about. And I get their publication occasionally. And the other day I saw one in their publication. They picked the greatest preachers of the past century. And I thought, this ought to be interesting. And I looked at it, and their list were like ten men I'd seen at that conference. You know? Now, I'm not putting anybody down but I guarantee you I've heard better preachers in a century. Yeah. My point is they had no perspective of the brotherhood. They had their little world where they taught their, I hate to call them their little doctrines, but they were specialized in certain things. Great and very nice people. Very good moral people. I, I can't say I did a thing wrong, except I'm saying... Their leaven had taken over their fellowship, and they weren't interested in, I mean, if you picked ten great preachers in the century, and they're all from your little group, you're confused, okay? Uh, I think we do that. We get more isolated. Uh, I think we've begun to rely more on worldly methods. In the church. Firstly, pragmatism, whatever works. I guess where a lot of this change comes from. Uh, the question is not first ask, is that scriptural? Is that in the Bible? Can we do that? The first question is, do you think it'll work? It worked over there. Yeah, and I, I see that among churches. Uh, the, 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 a fad develops somewhere. Well, it worked there. And everybody starts trying it. Well, not everybody, but a lot of folks start trying it. Okay. Well, if it worked, let's try it. Okay. So I think we're much more pragmatic than we used to be. Um, and secondly, I think we're much more tending toward, in our fellowship and certainly religion in general, is entertainment. Uh, what works? Well, give them an experience. Not just a worship service, but make an experience. 
Uh, happened to be listening to a deal on TV the other night, and Steve Wynn, the guy that owns a bunch of casinos in Las Vegas and China and everywhere else, uh, he was talking about what made him successful. And he said, it's not the gambling. He said, they don't come for the gambling. He said, they come for the, an experience. Uh, they want to live just a little bit higher than they usually live. So the sound and the lights and all of the experience and everything has got to be better than they're used to. And that's what they're after. He said, now, also, he went ahead and said, I've noticed that that the people come and go through and the money stays behind. <laughs> so, so that's why he's in the business. But getting them to come is give them an experience. Yeah. I think we're much more directed that way, and I don't, I'm not trying to say uh, worship service has got to be the dullest, driest thing you've ever heard or seen. I think it ought to be interesting and, and fun to some degree. But today's generation has been taught that fun equals worship. If you go and have fun, then boy, we really worship. You know, if it was loud and a whole lot of fun and everybody was jumping and going, then, boy, the Spirit was really moving. No, the Spirit might not have been there at all. Your Spirit was moving. Okay? Worship is an encounter with God. Okay? And you read people who encounter God in the Bible, and not many of them are laughing. Okay. Most of them hit the deck and said, woe is me, when they encountered God. Now, after you encounter God, all the emotions ought to come. But this generation has been taught that if you have the emotions, if you force the emotions somehow, then you've encountered God. Get it backwards. And we, I think we rely on that more is giving people an experience a lot of places. That will, that's what will draw them. And it does draw them for a while. Okay, last thing I put under the things that have happened in the past few years, I think we've developed a uh, less uh, ability to think. Uh, I started to say a generation, but it's not a generation, it's everybody has lost the ability to think critically. And I, I don't think it's the school's fault particularly, although I'm sure some of it is, because schools do so many foolish things that aren't teaching critical thinking. But the overwhelming input of the media and social media does not stimulate critical thinking. Well, you don't have to anymore. If you live by email and texts, you don't even have to know how to spell, much less think. You know, you just put stuff down there and it kind of helps you figure it out a little bit and you got abbreviations for everything else, so it, no spelling involved, much less thinking and how much thinking can you do and what is it, 140 characters or something? And I don't know much about this stuff. I do just a little bit of Facebook, 
You can't find me on Facebook. I'm not there. But my wife is because that's the only way you can keep up with pictures of kids and grandkids and, and stuff like that. So she's got an account, and every couple times a week she'll tell me, did you see that picture of the grandkids on their mission trip or something? And I'll say, no, I'll go look. And so I can go through it. And, I, you know, five minutes and the blood pressure is just off the chart. <laughs> you know, there's no critical thinking there. Uh, critical is a <laughs> redundant word. There's no thinking there. You know, I realize sometimes every once in a while somebody will put something good on and people use Facebook to share interesting good news and, and all of that. But, and I've got to watch myself here because I might offend somebody in here if you're one of Cindy's friends. Actually, I can't offend you. Rest easy. I can't offend you because I don't know who puts it on there. I don't read the names. You know, I go through so fast. I just flip through looking for pictures of my grandkids that she told me to find. Or if I see somebody else's grandkids that I know, I'll stop and look at them sometimes. Yeah. But in general, I'm just whipping through. And if it's really, really interesting, I might go back and see who posted it. But 99% of the time, I have no idea who posted it. I just know whoever did, did not have their brain engaged. Am I lying? I mean, the stuff that people put on there, it's, I tried to think of some of them I've seen that just completely fritz me. You know, take this test and find out which one of the seven dwarfs you are. <laughs> you know, not only who would want to know that, but who would think anybody else would want to know that or be interested but they not only take the time out of life to take this stupid test, then they share it with other people. Now, like I said, I don't know who does it. I saw one the other day that said, name a, put a dog's name down without an A in it. You know, in a quarter, a nanosecond, I said, Fido. But Fido's the most generalized dog name in the world, and this person can't think of one. <laughs> you know, I, I'm sorry, but there's no thinking there. You know, and if you think Facebook's the greatest thing in the world, then go read the opinion line in the paper. You know, there's no thinking there. Every once in a while, somebody will put something that, that makes sense. But <laughs> I'm done on this topic. I was just <laughs> I was just informed I was done. <laughs> yes, dear, I'll quit. <laughs> Your husbands need to submit and be obedient. Okay. Look at the future. Now I think all that stuff I just talked about put together makes it easier for leaven to affect the kingdom, to mess the kingdom up. We're not as good at protecting against it as we were used to. Okay, how to beware in the future. Three points, then we'll go. One, beware of rewriting the word. 
Uh, a lot of that happening today, folks. Uh, this book says it was once for all delivered to the saints 2,000 years ago. For 2,000 years, really smart people have studied it. Now, I'm not just saying read it. They've studied it. Okay? And they've argued with each other, and they've some things they still disagree on and all that. But some stuff is just universally accepted as that's what the Bible says. Now, these are guys, I say they studied it, these are guys that wrote concordances. You know, I got a concordance in my office that thick that was written before computers. That means this guy went through the Bible and looked for every word and wrote it down every time he saw it and then published a book of it. This guy was serious about Bible study. And he did that so other people could study the Bible just as seriously. Okay? And there's some of these topics that are universally accepted for 2,000 years. And in the last 20 years, people have started to say, well, now, we think it might mean something else. Okay? And they got different terms for it. They call it, they've discovered some new hermeneutic way to study it uh, or something like that. But, folks, if the sharpest people in the world studied the Bible for almost 2,000 years, back when they had time to study. Okay? Time I read somebody ask a question, why are there no great preachers anymore? And an old preacher asked, answered, because we used to have studies, and now they have offices. Okay. Preachers used to study. Okay. Uh, and, and the people that are discovering this new way to rewrite the Bible, they're not studying. They're, they're, they're starting with an answer that doesn't agree with the Bible and figuring out a way to make it agree. Now, don't rewrite the Bible. We have to be very aware, beware of that if somebody says, I've discovered that this is all right after all these years. Eh, let's be a little skeptical. Second thing, beware of tearing down fences until you know why they were built. It's an African proverb I found one time, and I said, that's one of the smartest things I ever read. Beware of tearing down fences before you know why they were built. And a lot of the moral things these days that we have decided we're going to go along with, and a lot of the religious things, the, the spiritual things, the worship things that we've decided, oh, we're going to change that. You better find out why that fence was built first. You know, this too has evolved over a couple of thousand years. And sometimes there's a pretty good reason for it. Okay? Uh, the decisions we've made lately, and this is cultural, not church, but the decisions we've made about homosexuality and all that, we're going to reap the whirlwind. Okay. Right now it's kind of cute and fun, and everybody says, oh, well, they love each other, that's okay. It's going to blow things up, folks. Fences were built for a reason. Those fences were built by God, by the way. But other fences... You better know why they were built before you tear them down. The last thing I put down is respect tradition. 
Uh, and I realize it's not hip to, to stick with tradition and all that. Let's change things. Don't do it like the old folks did before, and let's do something new and different and all that. That's okay sometimes. But it's kind of like the fences. There's a reason for some traditions. Okay? Some things we do instill positive things and keep out negative things. And to just come in and say, well, we're going to throw all that out uh, and not respect it, um, we're going to run into more trouble there. So those are my three tips. If anybody says they've discovered a brand new meaning to the word after the greatest scholars in the world haven't found it in 2,000 years, let's be a little skeptical. Don't tear down fences unless you know why they were built and respect tradition. All right, next week, uh, team camp report. Kids will be back, hopefully, safe and sound, and tell us what they did this week. Uh, then Toby's going to take a little turn on training with the 12. Uh, we sang a song earlier about I don't know who holds tomorrow, but uh, uh, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds, do know who holds it. That's what it is, I think. Uh, anyhow, if you don't uh, know about tomorrow, you need to be in him because he holds tomorrow. If you're not in him and want to change that tonight, or if you have some other need of this family, why don't you come? Let's stand and sing.